Hey, what's going on, guys? Coach Johnny back with the Performance Plus Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Zach again, and we're going to ask him lots of questions. This is an Ask Me Anything episode. Uh, Many of you guys DM'd us, emailed us uh, questions that you want Zach to answer. So uh, let's start off with with a personal one, Zach. Uh, How did you start the Barbell Physio? Like, Where did the idea come from, uh, and what brought you to where you are now, kind of you know, what ultimately got you here? Um, yeah, I started it in physical therapy school. There were a couple other physical therapy related blogs. And I just thought at the time, like, you know, I, I come from this strength conditioning background that most PTs don't have. And now I've gone through PT school. Like, how do I start to share information kind of between those two things? And how do I differentiate myself from other people in this profession in terms of like getting the right job and those sorts of things? So it just really started from that. Just trying to put out some different information that I knew and it grew more than I ever thought, hoped, or wished it would have. Um, <laughs> it's been a crazy ride, and I feel like every day I just wake up and I'm like, oh, this is a little bigger than it was yesterday. I wonder how that <laughs> happens. Uh, let's see if we can continue doing this. I've just been blessed to work with great people like you and Pamela and, and all my other business partners. Uh, that's uh, that's really. Back. That, at what point, this is a me question, not anybody else, but at what point were you like, oh man, people are actually reading this? Uh, so this is going to be weird. Um, the first point that I, I actually thought like, all right, I'm making it an impact was I put out a post on social media that just got a ton of hate and specific, it was a prone training bar press. So I'm laying on my stomach, pressing a bar behind the neck overhead, which just crushes your upper back. And I remember somebody saying, like, if you did this in my gym, I would come smack you. And I was so excited by that. that People (laughs) were getting mad at what I was saying and what I was doing um, that I actually wrote in the comments, here's my address. Come on over anytime you want. Um, (laughs) And then my wife saw it and she chewed me out for that. But um, (laughs) yeah, that was was probably my first time that I, I, I felt like I was actually onto something there. That's I mean, amazing. I still remember being excited when, like, I hit three thousand followers on Instagram. I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. What? So. Yeah, that's a uh, that's nuts. I can't even imagine just because you've grown so far, like three thousand followers. Like, that's you know, my neighbor has three thousand followers <laughs> now, and all he does is post photos of his kids. So, uh, how did how did you get started writing for the CrossFit Journal? Did that happen around the same time as Barbell Physio, or did that happen because of it? Probably about two years after writing Arnold's Pulse for Barbell Physio. Um, really, I've just been reading the CrossFit Journal for a long time. And I then randomly one day saw that they had a way for you to submit articles. And I, I got to thinking like, well, I made this giant presentation in physical therapy school on the biomechanics of the snatch. I bet CrossFit Journal would like somebody to write this nerdy article on the snatch. And so I approached them and they said yes. And um, after I wrote that, they said, well, what do you think about writing an article on this? And it just kind of snowballed into, uh, I don't know, six, eight articles or so. And then I met Pamela and I uh, knew Pamela worked for CrossFit. And I said, hey, we should write articles together. And um, so then Pamela and I wrote probably a dozen articles for them together. That's awesome. Um, well, it was such an amazing resource. Um, yeah. Still is, but still a lot of that stuff's available. But it's just so cool how much you know, CrossFit is putting out free information all the time. Uh, that... 
I think that gets really underappreciated, like how how the breadth and depth of the CrossFit Journal is. There's so many like answers to common questions that people have, and I think I, when I met you, it was 2015. I had read the shoulder article like at that point, and then like, oh my god, this t- like changed my understanding of everything. So uh, I think if you went back and read all the CrossFit Journal articles, you would be smarter than 99% of people that graduate from college with a bachelor's degree in exercise science. There's just, there's some groundbreaking stuff in there. Greg Glassman's what is fitness, sickness, wellness, fitness, continuum. Like uh, I think if you work in the fitness space in any, any sport of fitness or in the medical world in any sort, like you have got to read sickness, wellness, fitness, continuum and CrossFit journal. I think both of those were in the same journal issue. Yeah. Exact same journal issue. um, I love that article so much. Yeah. I, and the simplicity of it too is absolutely absurd. Like, and I still go back and read it from time to time, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" Like, how did the how did he realize this? Like, at where at what point did he come up with like, "Oh my god!" As we get this trend towards fitness, so our wellness changes. It's like, and you know, you go into the space that in the medical space, like people are approaching it with such a different, uh, I don't know, different methodology. Like, it's just shocking. Uh, so, um, all right. So why, how did, uh, how did all of that stuff you said you met Pamela, you guys wrote articles together. Is that what brought you to performance plus? Yeah. So I was working at another physical therapy clinic in Charlotte, um, around the time I was writing these CrossFit journal articles and I was following Pamela on Instagram, but I had never met her before. And I'm walking to go grab my next patient from the front. And I look over at this other treatment table and there's Pamela on the treatment table. So I I go up to her and say, look, I can't really talk right now, but here's my card. Shoot me an email. I write articles for CrossFit Journal. We need to get lunch. And she wasn't weirded out by that. So she sent me me an email later that day and we got lunch. And um, I said, look, we should do some more work for CrossFit Journal together. And we came up with an outline of articles that we thought would be really valuable to write, did that. And when we got done with them, like, I, I thought that was it. I was like, right, cool, we're making a little bit of money when CrossFit pays us to write these journal articles. That was fun. See ya. Pamela said, no, Zach, if people want to read these articles and we get the feedback that we just got from them from so many athletes, like people want more of this stuff. And, you know, there, there's a big hole in the CrossFit world where people want to develop this next skill but it's a lot of times really hard to bump up to that next skill when you're doing the daily wads and you know, you're only seeing the kibbing pull-up show up once a week or every other week. You're only seeing the muscle up every two or three weeks. And so it's hard for some people to hit that next big goal. And so we just started saying like, we can write little accessory plans that, that fill the gaps that normal CrossFit programming doesn't for that specific individual. And it's just, it's been a blast, man. It's so cool. So cool to hear the organic story of that meeting and like how it's just the, the morphology into what it is now. And, and I think it was Zoe's it kitchen too. Oh yeah. What's your go? Do you, do you. Orzo pasta. Yeah. Okay. Used to be, at, um, I haven't been there in a while. I haven't been there in a while either. There used to be one by my house at close. So it's been years, but Zoe's kitchen is delicious. Um, all right, so let's do a, uh, a little bit more fun stuff. Uh, Fran or Grace? Can I go Diane? Um, <laughs> I'm actually not. So I don't think I've done Grace. 
Fran, I've done twice, and it has probably been it has probably been five years since I've done Fran. Fran is my least favorite CrossFit workout because yep. you just know that you're going to feel awful for 30 minutes afterwards, even though it's only going to take you four minutes or less to do it. Um, my favorite CrossFit workout is Diane. 2159 deadlifts at 225. So I'm a, I'm a strong deadlifter. So that's a lightweight for me to do. And I'm pretty good at handstand pushups. Um, I should do great sometime. You should do great sometime. Second least favorite behind Fran is Air Force. Yeah. Oh, we've talked about the, yeah, we've talked about that on here before. (sighs) I will will do Fran again. I will never do the Air Force workout again. The last time I did it, I crawled to a trash can because my legs would not work and vomited. Um, I did it with a games athlete. That was a horrible idea. Dude, I just like I'm trying to still like understand how you got in the pain cave that bad on that workout because I feel like it's so rate limiting. Like your quads or shoulders generally will blow up before you get to like a level of lactate where you're going to vomit like that's. Let me pull it up so I can actually tell people what it is. It is 20 thrusters at 95 pounds, 20 sumo deadlift high pulls, 20 push jerks, 20 overhead squats, and 20 front squats. But at the top of each minute, you have to do four burpees. Um, Really what it was is I knew in that last minute, I, I was probably like five reps away from being done. And I knew that I would need to rest. But if I rested and didn't push through and finish it in that minute, I was going to have to do four more burpees. And if you want to motivate me to do a little bit more work, I typically do most workouts at like 85, 90%. I don't typically go 100% every workout. But if there's a penalty on it, and I know I'm going to have to do a little bit more work, I'm going to push a little harder. And I did five more reps of that last front squat set than I should have to beat the buzzer and not do four more burpees. And that those five reps did me in. Pretty sure I had asthma attack too. Like asthma attack, can't walk, crawl to the trash can. I, I, you're the only person in the 12 years that I've been doing CrossFit that I know that has got hurt that bad off that workout. So I feel like it needs to be re-examined. We all should do it again and see if we can get to your level. Uh, to use study terms, you're an N equals one on that. And I want to know, is it really that bad? So that's, that's great. You got it? I've done the Air Force. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did the Air Force workout with a Latvian uh, swimmer, Olympic swimmer, and he uh, absolutely crushed me on it and then sat down on the floor next to me. He did it so fast, like four minutes, five minutes, something, and sits down and starts taking off his wrist wraps and talking to me like about lunch. And I'm like literally like, bro, I can't – I'm just trying to get through this thing. And you're sitting there talking about it. Ah, dude, so much salt. Uh, that's fucking terrible. All right, so we'll go last one. And this one is just kind of tying back into your the CrossFit Journal Barbell Physio uh, article history. But you've written top articles on topics uh, ranging from dissecting overhead squats or dissecting squats, overhead position, uh, dissecting the snatch, the athletic hip, BFR, and your favorite fitness apps. Uh, what's the one article that you've written that you wish that every trainer would read that you think would help? I wrote an article on knee valgus during squats. Um, is knee valgus always bad in weightlifting? And that would be the one I want everybody to read. Um, 
essentially when we when we look at individual squat and their knees come in as they go down into a squat or come out of a squat we typically consider that a squat fault it puts a little bit more pressure on the knees and we tend to coach athletes out of that position but you'll notice if you look at a lot of elite lifters especially weightlifters that almost all of them go into a little bit of valgus when they stand up out of the bottom of a squat and so i wrote an article about that in uh 2016 uh, um and put that out about why I think they do that. And I think that that's important because when you look at elite athletes, sometimes they're going to do stuff that normal people don't do or consider faults. And you need to think through why might they be doing that? Is that fault actually giving them some sort of performance advantage? Um, Because it's not as black and white as we always want to make things seem like. Yeah. So that's probably the article I'm, I'm proudest of putting out. I actually wrote it probably six months before I published it but I had not heard anybody else. And I'm sure somebody else had talked about it, but I hadn't heard anybody else talk about it at that time. And I was too nervous to put it out because I thought the backlash I was going to get was going to be too much. And then I was on um, Travis Mashes. He's a really well-known Olympic weightlifter, weightlifting coach. I was on his podcast and he asked me about it. And since I said it publicly on the podcast, my opinions on it, I I decided to publish it. Um, But I think that's a good agree. Do you, I mean, so in the in the physio world, right? People look at that as like potential for ACL tear, like that kind yeah. of valgus fall. Like, it, just to give us a little insight, you think it's safe? Like, so the valgus fall at like really high load, like change of direction stuff, might cause ACL tears. And, and a squat, I think, even if you go into valgus, I don't think you're going to tear your ACL. It's more about like pressure on the, the patellofemoral joint. Okay. I think it is safe, but I, I think there's two different types of a valgus position. There's like your, just to be a little stereotypical, you're like your 13 year old soccer player that comes in. And when you have that individual squat down, like knees go in on the way down and they stay in all the way down, they stay in all the way up. Versus if you look at any elite Olympic lifter, like Maddie Rogers is a great example of this. She, she does it quite a bit. She'll squat down and her knees track in line with her toes. And as she comes out of the bottom of the hole, her knees quickly go in and quickly go out. And I think that happens because the adductors are really important in hip extension when we're in the bottom of a really deep squat. And so the adductors produce hip extension. They also produce hip abduct, adduction rather. And I think that's why it happens. It also creates a quick stretch reflex in the glutes. As long as it's like in and out quick, I don't have a problem with it. So adductor whip, right? That's the term that, yeah, that everybody likes to use. That w- I'm going to add one more question because somebody asked this one and we're talking about it already. Uh, they asked why I would feel my adductors more in the back squat. And uh, without seeing the person's video, do you think that's probably the case? It's their adductor whip. That's that's a good segue. Yeah. So a lot of people will feel their adductors work more um, in the squats and they think that that means there's something wrong. I think it's that factor that the adductor magnus produces 50% of the net hip extension torque in a deep squat. Um, so I don't actually have an issue with that. I actually think that a lot of times when people say that their hamstrings are sore after squats, it's not their hamstrings that are sore, it's their adductors. And I think we, we kind of like to think of the leg and think like maybe there's these distinct areas where the adductors are here on the inside, the hamstrings on the backside, the quads on the front side. Really, the adductors and hamstrings are like kind of on top of each other quite a bit. Um, we know from a lot of research that the hamstrings don't do a whole lot in the squats. So when people feel hamstring soreness the day after squats, I think it's usually the adductors. It's a, a dissection is kind of weird, right? Like the vasoadductor membrane, like there's so many pieces of connective tissue that join them together. I mean, it's hard to really, other mm-hmm. than reductionism and just doing an anatomical dissection, it's hard to 
justify them as not working like yeah, together. I, in a lot of I really wish I could go back to a cadaver lab now that I've have so much more experience coaching and treating. Yeah, I had to do in a physical therapy school and undergrad dissect the human body yeah. to look at these different muscles. I, I don't think at that stage in my life, I could appreciate this stuff. And I think doing it right now would just be completely eye-opening for things like that. That you know, I, I know where they sit from looking at a book, but if I could go back and relook at that stuff and where the adductors and hamstrings insert, like it would just be groundbreaking stuff to re-examine. Did you guys get to uh, redact everything yourself or did they have like, la- oh man, they didn't have guys that did it for you and you walked in and today we're looking, that's awesome. No, and I, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm squeamish. No, I didn't know that. Oh, dude. Yeah. So I did, I did really did not like being in a cadaver lab. I don't like nasty smelling stuff and some cadaver labs smell really bad. Mm-hmm. So it takes me a long time to warm up to something like that, but I think I could do it if I had to do it again. Fun fact, human brain feels exactly like what you think a human brain would feel like. Uh, squishy, slimy, slippery. Like when you're holding it, you feel like you're going to drop it. Just so we're all clear, I have only done this in Cadaver Lab. Nowhere else. <laughs> yeah, we, we did it all. That's awesome. In my experience with it, it was uh, it was redacted for us. I kind of didn't like it because I felt like it was like they're trying to intentionally show you what they want to show you in it and not necessarily how things work functionally together. There's something different about like peeling back the different layers and feeling like how dense and tough scar tissue is. And when you actually feel that with your hands or you see like what happens to a scalpel when you go through scar tissue and how quickly it dulls, that that just makes you think about a lot of the old school mentality we have around certain things. Like we're going to foam roll scar tissue later. Like (laughs) it took me 10 minutes in a scalpel to get through that guy's scar tissue you're not going to phone roll your way through it ever. Um, it, it's uniquely different when you do it. Yeah. And that is uh, not to get too nerdy, but one of those interesting things that that's, uh, exists in our world a lot more than other people's with the term adhesions and scar to and like mobilizing it and all that. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of funny that there's people selling that out there, right? Like that you could believe that you could take a thumb or a tool and you could break scar tissue this you know yeah. super collagenous like major ah, yeah the funniest example of that to me is people that come in to the clinic and they're like yeah i saw so and so and they were talking about all my knots and scar tissue in my upper traps and i'm like have you back squatted lately and they're like yeah i did 300 pounds last week i'm like you had a 300 pound barbell on your upper traps if anything was going to break up that scar tissue it was the 300 yeah. pound bar it's not going to be somebody poking on you for five minutes right <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's right. a nerd. No That's suggestions a- for home projects here of self dissection or dissection. Of- no, 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 no. Don't do it yourself. Uh, go find a, a surgeon who loves CrossFit and we'll let you <laughs> watch him work. So it's uh, cool. Well, uh, that was great. Thanks so much for letting us dig into your personal history and uh, sharing these things with us. Uh, we'll be back next time. We're going to talk a little bit about important biomarkers and which ones that you kind of think are most applicable. So uh, talk to you guys soon. Bye. Cool.